When it comes to the plant-based eating debate, there's more to consider than just healthy or unhealthy. Of course, we want to eat things that make us feel good and generate energy to keep us going, but there's also a major environmental component that drives a lot of people to a plant-focused diet. But you don't have to give up some of your faves entirely. Impossible Foods makes meat from plants. They're solving the meat problem with more meat. By creating delicious meat from plants that's better for you and the planet, Impossible lets you enjoy some of your favorite meaty products with a plant-based twist. Ground beef, homestyle meatballs, sausage patties, all made from plants. And that's just a few of their delicious and versatile options. No more tension between craving meat but not wanting to eat so much of it or sacrificing your carnivorous faves for your health. Indulge in nutrient-packed, plant-based goodness and feel good doing it. Check out impossiblefoods.com to see how you can help solve the meat problem with more meat. That's I-M-P-O-S-S-I-B-L-E-F-O-O-D-S.com. Betches Media presents the Betches Brides Podcast, a show for the wedding obsessed and the brides who are stressed, because after all, it's only one day of your life. Hello, and welcome back to Betches Brides. I'm Jordana Abraham. And I'm Nicole Pellegrino. And we have a very special guest today here to answer all of your pre-wedding skincare questions. We have Dr. Jamie Glick. Thank you so much for coming on. You are a board certified dermatologist. Is that the way that you're supposed to say it? Or is there like other, are there other pre, you know, ways to say it? That's right. Okay. Are there like non-board certified doctors? So, you know, that's a good question. <laughs> that's a good question. So, yes, there are. Um, okay. So, board certification means that after you do medical school and residency and potentially a fellowship, you have to sit for your board exams, which is already, you know, like the 50,000 tests you had to take by the time you get to that point. Um, and then you sit for your boards, which for me was the hardest test that I've had to take from, you know, Sorry, that sucks. Uh, right. No, it makes so it makes you more legit. Right. Is what I'm is what I'm getting out of that. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so yeah. that's important to 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 guess know when you're looking for a doctor. So I feel like when you're a, I mean when you're getting married is sort of the the first time you're like for a lot of people at least it was for me where I'm like I should see a dermatologist because like I'm, mm-hmm. I'm 31 years old I've never really seen one and I feel like this was the first time where I was like, okay, I have something that I should like invest. that I have a special day that I should be investing in. And obviously like skincare is a lot more important than that. Like I probably should have gotten a lot earlier, especially with the amount that I'm in the sun. But, um, do you get a lot of people who it's like their first time coming to you is for their wedding? Absolutely. I think, I think because people are starting to hear more about Botox filler and different procedures. And so when they haven't been ready to take the plunge, that is the time when they're finally like, okay, I'm getting married. I don't like that wrinkle on my forehead. Or, you know, it's time to deal with my acne at this point. And I also think Mm -hmm. like the age, like, I mean, people are getting married now at all ages, right? But usually like late 20s, 30s, even into your 40s. And so you may not have, if you didn't have acne as a kid, you may have never showed up in a dermatologist's office. So I think that this is another reason. Right. So a big, a big question we got from the the listeners was like, when, how far before your wedding do you recommend like going to see a dermatologist for the first time or for the, for your, for the prep for your wedding? Right. So I think it depends on your skin and your age, right? So if your wedding is for at 45, you'd want to come in probably earlier, probably like, you know, I guess it depends on when you get engaged and when the timing of your wedding is, but I think the earlier, the better to prep for, you know, a full time because if you've never gotten a procedure before right before your wedding is definitely not the time to get it for many reasons one is you may not see the results so for example if you want like a collagen building procedure most of those procedures like laser treatments take about three months to see the effects so if you're coming to me like three weeks before your wedding it's not ideal if you're coming you know two weeks or something before i usually don't do any procedure two weeks before because if you get Botox or filler or something and you have a bruise or you have um, you know any swelling or any complication we don't really want to be managing it like two weeks before so I always like patients to come at least six to nine months and then even more to to prep and make a plan 
Is there anything that you recommend for like that first time patient? Let's say I'm like nine months out from my, from my wedding. We had a lot of audience members say speaking, like, right? yeah, hypothetically, I'm not, <laughs> I'm like six. Yeah. I need to. <laughs> so I, I need to be in your office like yesterday for my skin. Cause I, again, going back to like the whole pre-wedding routine, I think skin is like the most important part. Everybody wants to like just have perfect glowing skin on their wedding day. So we had a lot of audience members being like, I've never had anything yet before. Like, where do I start? So if you did have somebody come in, like, let's say nine months out and they're like, I'm new, I've never had anything done before. Do, is there like a general routine you'd start them on or is it kind of customized to their skin? I think that's a great question. I usually like to customize to patient skin because everyone has you know, depending on their age, sensitivity. But I think starting with a good skincare regimen is the most important, especially if you're coming six, nine months out, because then we have time to get you on a plan where you'll see results. And I think that's something that can apply to everyone. And I also think there is so much information out there. I mean, every time I go on my Instagram, there's like 500 skincare experts that show up. And I mean, obviously I'm being targeted for that. But I think getting the right information out there. And so have, you know, not one size does not fit all for the skin for at all. And so, if, you know, you were to come in, I would assess your skin. If you were an acne patient or rosacea patient, or you had scarring, then your treatments and what would be required would be totally different. But in terms of skincare itself, I'd say there are three universal principles that everyone needs to do. And number one is cleansing your face. I say typically two times a day because we are walking around, especially if you're here in New York, there's a lot of pollution outside. And so all of that junk will stay on your face. And so that can clog your pores, it can damage your collagen, and it can create what are called reactive oxygen species, which can damage your skin, create brown spots, et cetera. So you wanna wash that off in the morning when you wake up and you definitely wanna wash it off in the um, nighttime before you go to bed. And then like I was saying, you get these reactive oxygen species. So the next to me, um, it's actually the third most important step, but it's the second in your routine would be an antioxidant product that you would put on. So vitamin C gets a lot of hype these days and that's one of many different antioxidants. I myself am actually allergic to topical vitamin C. So, you know, whenever I get um, targeted for vitamin C. I just want to be like, memo, I can't wear it. But can I ask, sorry, not to cut you off, because I need to hear the rest of the skin uh, routine. But what is your what does it mean when you're allergic to it? Like, does your skin just react in a weird way? So this has happened to me actually twice. The first time I didn't really believe it. And then the second time it was just obvious. So I was getting a facial. And my face started to itch and burn like immediately, mm -hmm. like I could feel it. You would know, like you, like I knew something was wrong and okay. I asked the esthetician and, and it was vitamin C, some kind of product, but I had never really used vitamin C before. So I was like, maybe it's something else. And it, it might be an ingredient in the vitamin C that I'm allergic to. Vitamin C is a very unstable molecule. So it That's requires a lot of um, different ingredients to stabilize it. So I wasn't sure if it was the vitamin C itself or potentially a molecule that was in there. But then my hairdresser was actually doing a treatment on my hair. And I told her that I might be allergic to vitamin C. And she said, it's okay. This doesn't have vitamin C in it. She put it on my head and my scalp just started itching and burning immediately. Wow. And then I looked at the ingredients wow. and the first ingredient was ascorbic acid, which is vitamin C. So that's when I confirmed that I cannot tolerate vitamin C and it's out of my regimen. Right. Wow. I feel like with skincare, it's so hard to tell because I, I do feel like there's a sense of like, oh, if it's burning, it's probably working. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's how I feel about a lot of stuff where I'm like, this is stinging. So like, that means it's like, I, I feel it. So it's good. Right. But how do yeah. you know when you're like, where's the line between? No, this is not good for you. So like a gentle, like, oh, this is tingling. But when you're like, wow, I can't tolerate this is I need to like, take this off right now. And also, um, you'll you get to know your skin. So I myself have rosacea, obviously, as a dermatologist, I get to know my skin from a medical level too. But mm -hmm. you know, when your skin starts to turn completely red and burn, 
after a very short amount of time, most at-home products should not be doing that to your, to your skin. Right. That's good to know. So what was the third step of your routine? So the third step would be moisturizing, which I think is really important because you want to um, protect your skin barrier and put a moisturizer on, but sunscreen is the third most essential. And so that's important, you know, from childhood until now, but if you haven't been wearing sunscreen, you definitely want to start as soon as possible because that will prevent collagen damage any extra brown spots that we might have to then laser off right before your wedding. So sunscreen with an SPF of 30. And I get asked this all the time, especially in the world of working from home, do I need to wear sunscreen if I'm indoors? And the answer is yes, um, especially if you're working by a window, because the sun light, the UV light penetrates right through the window. So UVA light, there's, there's multiple different forms of ultraviolet light. UVA is the one that penetrates through the window. And that's actually the one that's probably most responsible for sun damage and brown spots. So broad spectrum sunscreens protect against both UVA and UVB light. And UVB is a little bit more of what causes sunburn and UVA is a little bit more about what causes your aging and both can cause skin cancer. So that's why you need a broad spectrum sunscreen. Do you have like uh, so this is your like morning routine that you would recommend. Do you have preferred like brands or products or like names of products that you sort of like give as your go-tos or is it kind of just based on everyone's like personal skin? That's a great type? question. So there are so many brands out there and I don't like to reference brands unless I've actually tried it myself and it's just impossible. I mean, I would need to basically be at home all day, every day, just trying brands with how much is out there. But I think there are ingredients. I always tell my patients that even young residents and medical students are like, how do you know all of the different skincare brands? And I think, and, and I don't, I would love to say I do, but I don't. So it's really looking at the ingredients. So I think that there are ingredients that are essential. So for sunscreens, I prefer physical blockers to chemical blockers. So my favorite sunscreen is Elta MD. And I just contradicted myself because it actually has a physical and a chemical blocker. But the fact that it has zinc oxide means that it gives you extra protection, which is a physical blocker. But the chemical blocker is what gives you sun protection, but it also makes the sunscreen a little bit nicer and not as like white on the skin and it can um, rub in a little bit better. So in terms of face wash, I go through different face washes and I do recommend some brands, but it's also patient specific. So I like the brand Vanny Cream, which is a very mild cleanser and a very um, sensitive skin brand. I have rosacea. So for me, that's a really good brand. And I think for most of my rosacea patients, I think that's a very good brand for people to use. I also really like the brand Elemis and I use a lot of their products. Sebamed. I mean, I like so many different, different ones. Speaking of rosacea, we had a ton of questions about that. And I know for um, one of our own Betches Brides, one of our employees who's getting married in October is like suffering from rosacea and it kind of came out of nowhere this year. Do you recommend specific products or just like things people can do for that? And you suffer from it yourself. So anything you've seen that work? How old is, is this employee? She's 20, I think 28 or 29. So I think, so, that, yeah. um, so two things to that one is, so I actually developed rosacea at age 29, four days into my dermatology residency, July 4th, wow. 2013. I was, I remember I was on the tennis court and I was playing tennis and my face started burning and I was playing with my twin and we went to the bathroom. We looked in the mirror and my face was bright red and my identical twins was just normal. And I was like, this is not normal. This is weird. So I think one thing I really want people to know is if you are dealing with acne and dealing with rosacea or any skin condition, it's really beneficial to see a board certified dermatologist. And I think the mistake people make is they try all these products and they try to use things on their own. And then they end up, you know, months to years later with acne scarring or you know, their wedding comes and goes and their, their rosaceous flared through it. So we're here and there are a lot of us. And now with telemed, I think the access to us is even greater. So I want people to know that you don't have to be researching by yourself. And there's so much information out there. It's hard to really know. So I think seeing a board certified dermatologist is a really good way to go in terms of products that are over the counter. So 
Niacinamide is a really calming ingredient. It's an antioxidant, anti-inflammatory, and it's also um, hyped right now, but I actually think it's really great. I've been using ni niacinamide products for like years. I really like CeraVe PM lotion. It's an inexpensive over-the-counter brand and it has niacinamide in it. And you can actually use that as your moisturizer in the morning and the night, as long as you're putting your sunscreen on top. So I think that's a really good one. There are also triggers of rosacea. So alcohol, spicy foods, the sun is the number one trigger of rosacea. There's also so my three favorite things, sweet, <laughs> <laughs> literally. So there's also a rosacea society website where you can get a ton of information about rosacea and personal patient experiences. So I'd like to refer my patients to that. But sometimes you really just need prescription and evaluation by a derm. Sometimes people think they have rosacea or they think they have acne and it's really something else. When it comes to the plant-based eating debate, there's more to consider than just healthy or unhealthy. Of course, we want to eat things that make us feel good and generate energy to keep us going. But there's also a major environmental component that drives a lot of people to a plant-focused diet. But you don't have to give up some of your faves entirely. Impossible Foods makes meat from plants. They're solving the meat problem with more meat. By creating delicious meat from plants that's better for you and the planet, Impossible lets you enjoy some of your favorite meaty products with a plant-based twist. Ground beef, homestyle meatballs, sausage patties, all made from plants. And that's just a few of their delicious and versatile options. No more tension between craving meat but not wanting to eat so much of it or sacrificing your carnivorous faves for your health. Indulge in nutrient-packed, plant-based goodness and feel good doing it. Check out impossiblefoods.com to see how you can help solve the meat problem with more meat. That's I-M-P-O-S-S-I-B-L-E-F-O-O-D-S.com. In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. So... Um, I know you mentioned this when I came into you where it's like, if you're, you know, if you're looking for skincare, especially as it pertains to your wedding, like budget is a big thing to consider. Cause I'm sure there's like so many different levels of things that you can do that are both like, um, tiered versus in terms of finances, but also probably in terms of like intensity or like invasiveness. Um, so can you kind of like walk through, like, I would say like, obviously not like specifics, but like lower, let's say you have like lower budget or like mid tier budget and then like any, you know, sky's the limit sort of situation that you work, you're working with. Right. So I think that the first thing when someone comes into my office, we figure out when their wedding is from the minute they walk in. So then we can come up with a plan that's most appropriate for the time frame. So if you're coming in nine months to a year out, there's a lot more that we can do. And if you're coming a month out, then we kind of have to focus on how we can optimize your skin in that short amount of time. I think the next step is what bothers you the most? And so that's what I always start with when I ask my patients, because I might see something in your, I just had a patient actually on Friday who was very, very focused on her under eye and the way her under eye appeared. But to me, she had a very large crease in the middle of her forehead. And so when I looked at her face, that was the first thing I saw. And she was also getting married. And I thought, you know, when they put the makeup on, the makeup is going to cake there. And that's what's going to be seen in the pictures. It's going to be easier to clear your you know, under eye with makeup. So we kind of discuss that because I don't want my priority to override the patient's priority ever. And if you're spending your money, you want to deal with what bothers you the most. So we have that, we look in the mirror and we discuss those kind of things. And then I'll usually give a patient like a 360 evaluation because I don't want, obviously budget is the primary issue. Money doesn't grow on cheese for most people is what I tell my patients, but I want them to understand how they're going to get the most amount of, you know, if we could do everything, and then also we don't have to do everything today. So even if it's not just for the day of your wedding, we're continuing to age and we would work together. So I give them a full picture of everything. And then we go back to what bothers them the most and what 
I think should be the priority and we come up with a plan together for that. I see. Okay. So it's like really based, it's very, very tailored to like each individual person. right? While I think that everyone, you know, in some ways should get Botox after a certain age, not everyone, one can afford it and not everyone needs it in the same areas. Not everyone needs the same amount and not everyone wants to get that. So people are very, you know, fearful of Botox or needles. and, And I get that. You know, sometimes I have patients, I'm doing Botox or filler on them and their eyes are wide open. And I'll say, do you want to show, you know, close your eyes? Like I'm going to have needles <laughs> coming at your face. Like, why don't you, you know, close your eyes and, and try and relax. So do you have the patients that come in and they, they come in to get fillers, Botox or, you know, lip fillers, whatever other fillers you can get. And they're like, but make sure it's super natural looking. Do you have that? Yes. That's I, me. Have that. I think that, I think number one, I think I specialize in that. And I think a lot of board certified dermatologists, we're trained to do filler and Botox and we're trained to do it in a way where we don't want, I don't want, and and most of my colleagues don't want people walking around. It's like, who did your lip filler? Who did your filler, right? It's kind of like, oh, you just look refreshed today. So I think, you know, looking natural is key because I don't want anyone walking around with me having done their work and be like, mm, that's Dr. Glicks. Like a bad ad. You know, exactly, right. Yeah. exactly right. Walking billboard. I think, I think, you know, because of the media and a lot of bad press and sometimes just bad work that gets out there, I think most people and most doctors are looking to have their patients have subtle but but good results. For sure. So like how, if you're getting, if you're getting Botox or fillers, um, how far you said you don't like to do anything like two weeks before. So like how far, how, how close would you get it to so, your, to a wedding? So filler lasts a bit longer. It lasts about a year, six months to a year, kind of depending on where we do it and how we do it. And so, you know, if you come to me like a year before your wedding, we could do almost like you would get, you know, a trial for your hair or a trial for your makeup. I kind of view it like that, like a trial for your Botox and filler, because you want to make sure and I want to make sure that we're both happy, you know, especially I get a lot of people, especially around their wedding, like we talked about earlier, where it's their first time. And so they don't know how they're going to feel or how they're going to look. So if you are able to lift your eyebrows, extensively, you have a lot of facial expression, you don't necessarily want to not be able to have that facial expression on the day of your wedding, the day where hopefully it's the happiest day of your life, right? So we want to kind of come up with a balance. So I would have patients come, you know, like, ideally, like six to 12 months out, depending filler, probably a little bit longer, maybe Botox, because it wears off, and you'd have to redo it a little bit less, but and then we would kind of do what we we both think works. And then Usually all patients come back about two weeks later and that's when everything settles, the Botox, Dysport or whichever brand you're using that takes about two weeks to have its maximum benefit. Any of the bruising and the swelling up from the filler can calm down by then and then we'll kind of know what your aesthetic looks like and you know, patients will decide like, I love this and hopefully they do, right? Because I did it and hopefully they love it. But you know what, Dr. Glick, I feel like I can think of one example. It wasn't a wedding, but it was a patient who I thought her Botox looked great. Actually, she's one of my before and afters on my Instagram, but she, she was a teacher and she said to me, you know, I can't furrow my brow and my students don't know when I'm angry at them. And so I need to be able to furrow my brow because I need them to know when I'm don't like what they're doing. And so let's just do the forehead and the eye area in the future. So that was something, you know, that we didn't know she was going to encounter before, for example. And so now when we do it, that's how how we do it. So those are kind of examples, you know, or people are like, oh, I'm moving too much. I really want to be frozen. I like this frozen look, you know, so it kind of depends on what people want. And you won't know that really until afterwards after you get it, I think, and how it makes your face feel. Right. I think the fact that you, what you do is so tailored to each individual's both like needs and budget and like actual, like, you know, skin type is so important just because like we see, I think we've talked about this before. It's like everything. There's so many people on Instagram, just like influencers or people who are just like their skin looks great. So you're like, what do they do? And then I'll buy whatever they're buying. Mm -hmm. But it's kind of like following a random person's diet. It's like, that's very specifically te- that works for them, but that there's no guarantee that it works for you. And just to, like you said, like kind of try products blindly um, 
doesn't really work. It won't work the same for any two people exactly, I would assume. Absolutely. I also think in the world of Instagram filters and filters in general, we don't really know exactly what someone's skin looks like. You know, I, I sometimes look at, you know, Kylie Jenner and, and in one photo, she has brown spots, right? She had freckles. And then in the, so I'm like, oh, did she laser off her freckles? Like, I wonder if she got Fraxel and they laser them off, but then she'll be at, you know, the pool and she'll have freckles everywhere. And then she'll be doing an ad for her cosmetics and then it'll, her skin will look completely different. So I also think that makeup and filters, you don't exactly know how, how people's skin actually looks. Right. Do people right. ever come in with like a look that they want that's like clearly filtered? Or like do Instagram filters inspire people like their, of their own faces, inspire how they actually want to look? I mean, I have had people come in with like photos of, I think, Olivia Culpo, who's, you know, she's gorgeous. and Oh, God. Right. She's gorgeous. She's gorgeous. But like, she's naturally gorgeous. But also like the photo isn't her when she just woke up, right? It's a photo of her with her hair right. and, up and, and an angle from a, from a photographer and they, and they want me to create that. And so... Yes, people come in with, you know, photos of it's similar to, you know, when you want a specific haircut and then you come in and mm -hmm. you're like, I want this. And it's like, well, that's not your hair. You know, I'm not a hairdresser, but and, and I definitely don't think Botox and filler is the same as doing your hair because it is needles and it's a medical procedure, but it does require a lot of expertise and, you know, experience. And also it's unique to the person. Like I can't right. have someone else's hair, you know. My best friend from home is a hairstylist and she hates when people bring in photos because she's like, like I've even brought photos to her before and she's like, your hair is a completely different texture than Olivia Culpo's hair. Like you cannot bring her photo in. So I feel you on that. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. What I love about Shopify is basically how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. I know we use Shopify here at Betches, and honestly, anyone with any kind of business could really benefit from Shopify. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklyn, and, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way, because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash betches, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash betches now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash betches. Do you ever have anybody come in who's like, I want to start doing these and I also want to do lasers and I also want to start a facial routine like once a month facial treatment? And is that even possible to kind of do all of those things at once? So I think if you have a very wide budget, it's possible to do all to do all. Of right. Um, so I, I and again, I think it's unique to patients. So you know, I don't do facials myself. Most dermatologists, there are some who do, but most do, most estheticians do, do facials, right? In my office, we do have a right, right. that kind of combines a little bit of laser. It's, it's actually called the triad facial and it's, it was designed by um, the, my boss, Dr. David Colbert, like many years ago. And so it's a triad procedure where it combines microdermabrasion, laser toning and a chemical peel. So it's kind of a combination. It is performed by um, board certified dermatologists in my office, as well as an esthetician in our office who does it. And so that is a procedure where you can combine. So you do the microdermabrasion, which is basically a procedure where crystals 
aluminum, aluminum oxide crystals are applied to your skin and it takes off the very superficial layer of your skin. And then we go on to perform some laser procedures that can actually penetrate deeper now because we took off that very top layer. And then we do a chemical peel. The chemical peel we usually do is a glycolic acid peel. It's very good for pigment. And so I like that peel except and I know I refer to this a lot, you can't do glycolic peels frequently on patients who have rosacea because it's actually a flare mm -hmm. of, can cause a flare of rosacea. So I never do the glycolic acid peel part. So I might add a salicylic acid peel, which is better for acne. So that's one procedure that combines three different procedures in one. So usually patients, sometimes I'll get patients who fly in from a different state or a different country and, and I'm very grateful for, for those patients. and you know, they'll want everything in one day because that's all the time. Right. So that we can do a lot in one day, but it's very specific to the order. So Botox, we want it to stay in the muscles that it stays in, right? Because otherwise, if, if the Botox, which is paralyzing your muscle, so Botox is a neuromodulator, we put it into the skin, but really, we're putting it into the muscle. So you can't move that muscle. And if you can't move the muscle, you can't make the wrinkle. And so that's what I tell my patients. But if you can't move the muscle, then if it goes in the wrong place, it can cause an eyebrow droop or an eyelid droop or a mouth droop. So I don't usually do Botox and then two minutes later do another procedure. So usually I'll wait about 30 minutes or so to have the Botox locked into its receptor. And usually during that time, patients will be numbing potentially for the next procedure. So if it's filler, then I would do filler next. And so there are certain procedures where you don't want to do, for example, I don't want to do a laser procedure like Fraxel, which is a resurfacing procedure when you then will be left all swollen and then go doing your, then go do your filler, right? Because you're going to be swollen and your anatomy is going to look different. So the order that I do it in is very specific to the products themselves, because I'm not going to do filler when your eyes are swollen, because where do I put it now? So we can do a lot in one day, but we definitely, you know, just need to do it in a very specific order. But I can do Botox, filler, laser, toning, chemical peels all in the same day. I want all of it. <laughs> yeah. So what about like peel? Like, so facial peels are like, what is what is the difference between that and like a laser treatment. What is like laser treatment? Is that for any, like a particular thing on your skin? So the basically underlying concept of all skin procedures, I would say not Botox and filler per se, but chemical peels, laser procedures, and microdermabrasion. A lot of these microneedling is basically to create an injury to the skin that then allows our skin to heal in a way where we generate new skin. So there are different types of chemical peels. So a glycolic acid peel, which is an alpha hydroxy acid, is goes to a, we put on a chemical on the skin and you'll, you would feel that tingling for sure if you had a glycolic peel. So that's when you know it's, it's normal to have that Working. tingling, Jordana, but you know, there are different percentages. And so you lower percentages you might get when you're at an esthetician's office doing a peel and you might get a higher concentration if you're in a dermatologist's office. And it also kind of depends on what your skin color is, what your skin concerns are. So, so that all factors in. But glycolic peels go to a more superficial depth. Then, so they help with pigment, which is a little bit more superficial. Salicylic acid, which is a beta hydroxy acid, is a deeper peel that goes further down to where the hair follicle is and where acne starts. So to me, that's a better peel for acne. So although with acne, you often sometimes get dark spots, so you might want to do both. I mean, I wouldn't do necessarily both on the same day, but then there's something called a Jesner's peel, which has salicylic acid in it and resorcinol, which is a lightener, not the same as glycolic acid, but a different one. And it also has a different alpha hydroxy acid, lactic acid. So we can do lots of different things. But again, you're creating like a controlled injury to the skin, where then you're going to remove pigment, regenerate collagen. Laser and microneedling are similar in terms of they're creating an injury to the skin. So different lasers create different types of injury. But for the most part, they use heat or light energy to 
go into the skin and create heat to damage the skin in a way. So either you're targeting a blood vessel or a brown spot or your collagen, and then you're kind of breaking that and then rebuilding. And so you obviously want to do that in a very controlled way. Otherwise, you'll get a burn. And microneedling is a procedure where you take tiny little needles and you break the skin in a controlled way, which then sends signals to the skin that it needs to rebuild in a very controlled, good way. So all of these procedures have like similar underlying concepts, mm-hmm. but they all work a little bit differently. And then there are certain patients who are better off getting a laser versus microneedling versus peel. And that also relates to budget and skin color, skin damage, and your downtime. I think that's another thing we haven't really talked about a lot that it kind of depends on the downtime that you're willing to have. So, you know, sometimes I tell patients certain laser procedures, you're going to be red and swollen for four to seven days, more aggressive ones, even up to three, four weeks. And some patients are like, Oh, no, I don't want that. Or some patients are like, well, I'm working from home now. So, you know, I got all the time. Now is probably a good time to get a lot of that stuff. Yeah. I don't care what my coworkers see on zoom. All I care about is looking good for the big day. So just shut off the video, right. And just do the, yeah. Yeah, exactly. exactly. I'll just go no video. But okay, so I, I, I assume that like so a lot of these procedures sound like very intensive. I, I assume like they're a little bit more expensive to get at a dermatologist's office than like a med spa or just like a skin like a spa generally that you would get. Like, is there like a medical grade level, or is like or what are the risks of like not of getting it done at one of those med spas, or is that like just is that just as good? So. I think that there are a couple of issues, and this is definitely very controversial, for sure. So I think the biggest issue that I see with patients going to med spas is that a lot of times the people there, some are very well trained and some are not. And so the training is very much a wide variety. Whereas if you're going to a board certified dermatologist or a board certified plastic surgeon, the training is very clear. Like they all had to pass their boards, right? So they had to go to school, take certain tests, take certain courses. On my board exams were questions about Botox and filler and, you know, laser. So people don't realize that. And same with plastic surgeons, they have the same kind of, well, they have different training, but they have the same concepts of like things that they, we overlap in. So I think the training is much more standardized. But I think the number one issue I see is that a lot of people going to these spas are like purchasing packages for things and they're never being evaluated on whether or not they need them. And so they're, they hear about it or the, the spa, you know, showed them on Instagram, like the special for the chemical peel. And so they end up paying for these things that they, they don't even need or that aren't actually good for their skin. And so a lot of times they end up spending a lot of money on things that they shouldn't have gotten. And if they had come to my office in the first place, we could have kind of tailored it to what they actually need to spend their money on. So a big one is acne scarring. Like there are certain procedures that you're not going to get improvement with acne scarring. And I see so many people getting superficial heels and this laser treatment and this toning treatment in a spa where they've probably already spent over the course of two to three years, like thousands of dollars in that, that med spa, but they were never going to see any results because it was never going to get to the depth of the acne scarring that they needed. And so to me, that I think is like the number one issue. People end up spending more money without the result because mm-hmm. it's cheaper, but it's not cheaper. It's like my, right. mom, my mom says like, I bought this blender. It was a less expensive one. I turned it on, my apartment started to smell like burning plastic, and then I had to go buy the other one. And so then you end up paying twice because you're paying for something less. I think another issue is I see a lot of like not well done, you know, everyone thinks Botox is just, it's just Botox, it's just Botox, right? But I laugh because I've had the same hairdresser for 11 years. Like, it's just Mm -hmm. my hair. No, it's not. It's my hair, which is a huge thing. So it's just your face. It's your face. Right. Like, yeah, the I, most important thing. Like, damn, to right me, there. like, you know, I don't even go out like on a date in the rain when my hair looks bad. So, like, if my Botox <laughs> is messed up, it's going to be even more of a big deal, you know? So, to me, it's, it's really not just Botox. And a lot of times patients are going to these spas and they're getting Botox, but they're getting like three to five units because they're paying per unit and, and they're not even seeing the results that they should be. So, I, I had three patients from the same med spa, 
not to be named. And all of them were first timers, which is my favorite thing to do. But first timers is a good people to get because they don't know what to expect. So, so all three of them came in and they're, you know, moving their muscles in. And I'm like, you know, they came in for acne or whatever. We had discussed Botox. They end up going to the spa. And then they're like, Dr. Glick, look. And then they can move all their muscles. And I'm like, I'm not sure what I'm looking at. And they're like, oh, I got Botox. And I'm like, you did? And they were like, yeah, like they just gave me a little. And I'm like, you know, it was only, you know, a couple of hundred dollars. And I was like, you paid a couple of hundred dollars for that. Like, that's not what it's supposed did to be. Like. Yeah. That's not right. what Botox is. Like, that's not natural. That's just no Botox. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I had just that, not that just, it's not what it's supposed to look like. So, you know, those are my thoughts on that. It will. And can't dermatologists correct me if wrong, but you guys can also, if the patient needs like prescriptions for things. I know our, um, I know I was on this forever ago from like my dermatologist back home and it did help. So we, I myself, and we got a lot of audience questions about, um, hormonal acne and like stress acne, particularly the ones that pop up on the chin right now. I have a gargantuan scab on my chin from an under the skin pimple. And I was on Sprinolactone. I think it was forever ago for, to help with that. And I know um, a couple of our employees who got married last year, they were on that same thing leading up to their wedding and it was prescribed by their dermatologists. So um, do you ever have to like prescribe things as well as part of a skin routine? Absolutely. I mean, I definitely feel like I'm probably prescribing things more to patients than not because a lot of times when patients end up in my office, it's because they tried everything and then they finally end up in there and they need a prescription. So I definitely prescribe spironolactone a lot. I think, you know, it's funny because I say in the last five years, so I graduated from residency about four and a half years ago, and I have given more and more spironolactone like every year because it's a, it's a good treatment for um, hormonal acne. And, you know, I'll talk to my colleagues and I'll say, is there just like this boom of like hormonal acne? Like what is going on in the world that is making like every 20, 30 something female in, you know, New York, yep. we've all been stressed. And patients are always like, oh, I've been stressed. I'm like, you're a New Yorker. Like, everyone's stressed. Like, right. yeah. Um, so actually, I think IUDs is what I've realized has actually been a big contributor to hormonal acne. So IUDs are often, um, so, so we in my generation, and, and I'm not too far from your generation, um, but we didn't have IUDs when I was growing up. And yeah. if, you, if you went on birth control, you went on a, you know, you went on the NuvaRing, that was like the big thing. That was the way you didn't have to take a pill. And so, or you're taking a oral contraceptive pill that has typically estrogen and low levels of progesterone in it. And the NuvaRing has the same. And so that actually helps control acne. And so now we have this world of where patients are going on, you know, Mirena IUDs or Kylina IUDs or other IUDs where they don't have that estrogen and they have these higher levels of progestins or progesterones, which are actually testosterone-like, which are male hormones that can lead to acne. And so I I finally realized like there is a boom in how much acne I am seeing. And it's because of this. It's because, you know, I don't want to blame every IUD in the world. And I have lots of friends who are OBGYNs and there are a lot of benefits to IUDs, but but I always joke when my patients come in, like, oh, yeah, the OBGYNs are keeping me in business because of how much, yeah. you know, I see this. And then and then I have to break the news to the patient. Well, I know you went on this because you didn't want to take a pill, but right. we're probably going to have to give you a pill, you know? That's and- what I was going to say. OBGYNs love the IUD. Like, they've, my future sister-in-law is an OBGYN resident, and she's on it, and she was, like, telling me I should, and... I'm on just the oral contraceptive pill have been forever, but, and I remember getting on the oral contraceptive pill, um, to help with my hormonal acne. And I think it did, it was so long ago. So, but that's so interesting that like, yeah, that's that IUDs are causing. I think the other thing is that like the word hormonal acne is thrown around so much, especially on the internet. And to me, acne is a very complicated thing. And so it's not just your hormones, right? Like not every single person on an IUD gets acne and not every single person taking oral contraceptives doesn't have acne. So while your hormones are like one contributor, acne, it's not like I put you on spironolactone and you're done, or you use this one product and you're done. Acne is usually something that requires 
multiple different treatments because the disease itself is caused by multiple different things. So just in the same way, it's not just Botox. It's not just rosacea. It's not just acne. Right. So just to, to pivot to our, our last segment, let's talk like the week or like the few, let's say the two weeks before your wedding, like what are, and I, I think people really love, I mean, it's funny because we're talking about how important it is to tailor everything to a specific person and not, there's no like one size fits all, but I do think people really like like rules yeah, because it seems, it simplifies things. So I do too. So it's like, what, a, what would you like recommend avoiding? What do you recommend doing? Like you're in the, in the one to two weeks before your wedding, like what foods, what activities, what, you know, what are you looking, what do you recommend for that? I think what I typically tell my patients, if it's healthy for your body, it's healthy for your skin. So number one, I think, you know, most, most brides uh, and I've never been married yet and uh, but my sister actually got married in August. And I think, you know, most brides go on some kind of wedding diet, right? Um, or like healthy eating, you know, you want to make sure that dress fits you exactly the way that you wanted and exactly the way that it was tailored to fit you. Um, right. So, you know, the same foods that you would be doing to eat healthy. So we know that acne can be worsened by high glycemic foods. So sugary foods, foods that spike your blood sugar will spike your insulin levels and can then create this whole cascade of acne. So you want to avoid sugary foods, cakes, cookies, anything like that. Also dairy products, especially skim milk have been associated with acne. So if you're trying to, you know, avoid, you know, fitting, you know, you gaining weight, I wouldn't go with the, I wouldn't go with the skim milk the two weeks before your wedding. I'd go with, you know, the almond milk or just skip, skip the milk Mm -hmm. in your coffee in general during those two weeks, because it can lead to a breakout. I think stress, I always tell my patients, stress doesn't cause skin disease, in in my opinion, because we all have stress, and we all don't have the same skin diseases. But I definitely think stress will make any skin disease that you are prone to worse, because it will increase inflammation, it releases cortisol, you'll have, you know, like issues. So trying to get a good night's sleep. I mean, I'm sure the two weeks leading up to your wedding is a a time where you're probably not getting your best sleep. But if you can try to do that, you know, meditate before you go to bed, don't have your phone, because we know that the light, the LED light from the phone can keep you up, and can signal the wake cycle. So you want to put your phone away. And you know, if you have any, you know, flower issues or other issues, try and get someone else to deal with it during those two weeks. So you can really make sure that your skin and body are in the best place they can be. I think another thing is, you know, have your dermatologist on speed dial. Because, you know, if you do get that pimple, you know, in the two weeks before, there are things that we can do, we can do injections into the lesion. I mean, I always say that I actually met my best friend who's now my best friend five years ago, we were like, you know, acquaintances from years ago, and she had a big event and she had a huge pimple on her chin and her dermatologist would not fit her in for an acne injection. And so she ended up remembering somehow that I was a dermatologist. I think she saw it on Facebook. She walked into my office, I fit her in. And, you know, her whole feeling about the event changed because she didn't have to worry about this huge pimple because I was able to inject it. So I always tell my staff, if anyone calls for an acne injection, no matter how busy I am, you let them in always. And Uh. my best friend, she became my patient for life and also my best friend. Um, And she's, you know, in my office like every week for other things, but that's, that's another story. And so, you know, making sure that if you do have something, you have your dermatologist there, we can do red light and blue light treatments that can help. We can do, you know, a microdermabrasion within the two weeks leading up to it. That will take off the top layer of your skin and give you like a glowy look. In my first job, I worked with this wonderful esthetician and she used to do microdermabrasion for me like right before my dates. So my skin looked like extra glowy. Um, Obviously it didn't help so much. I'm still not getting married just yet, but (laughs) I think that it's a, I think it's a good idea too. So there are, there are things that you can do the two weeks before, but the most important is try to breathe and relax yourself. That's really good to know about the appointments for any brides in New York City. If you have a uh, last minute dermatology emergency, it sounds like your office is going to be the place to go. (laughs) Totally. That's crucial. 
That is crucial. Knowing my luck, I will get a giant under the skin crater. And those zits, they last for like three weeks and they're like the bad for the, and then I pick, which I know is the opposite of what you're supposed to do. So I need to stop, but I try to like pop it and get it out thinking I'm a mini dermatologist for a moment and then they get even worse. So I'll be one of those brides in your office three weeks before my wedding getting injected. I think that's a great point. And that's something that's really important within the two weeks. Do not pick. I mean, you know, I think a lot of us are prone. I mean, why do we have nails? I think partially to pick and our skin. And we're nervous because we're getting, you know, Mm -hmm. you're getting a wedding. (laughs) Right. But picking can make it worse, right? Because sometimes it becomes harder for the makeup to cover up that like wound mm-hmm. that you just created on your skin and even the pimple itself. So I think that's definitely good advice not to pick your skin within those two weeks. For sure. And if yeah. you can get it, like if you can get an injection to make it go down, I think that'll like help. You know what I mean? Like if you can't, if you can't stop yourself, like the, the best, I think second thing is to get rid of it as fast mm-hmm. as possible. So you're not as tempted, which sounds like, you know, your office for would be sure. good for Totally. And if you pick it and then you end up in my office, a lot of times I can't even inject it at that point. And so it's too late. Yeah, I'm definitely guilty of that, too. I'm like, because it's like it's almost like a nervous thing. You like, you know what I mean? It's funny. Oh, yeah. Like, don't touch your face. Like, that's all I all I do is touch my face. It's just like, it's- <laughs> well, I tell my patient, you know, it's my job to clear your acne. So you don't have anything to pick in the first place. But it's your job to not that. pick while we're getting there. Love that. Exactly. This was so great. Thank you so much for coming on. I feel like we have a million more questions, but maybe we'll do another follow up. Um, but I definitely learned a lot. Um, thank you. So where can, where can everyone find you? So, well, you can find me virtually at Dr. Jamie Glick on my Instagram. And I post a lot of skincare advice on there in terms of where you can find me in person. I work at New York Dermatology Group, which is on 19th street our phone number is 212-533-8888 um, 119 5th avenue is our address my instagram handle is dr jamie glick and i have a funny spelling to my name so there's an i before and after the m yeah and we'll tag you when we when the episode yeah. comes out so you guys can find it from the at betches brides instagram we'll you know link to your page Thank you so much for having me. It was really great. And this is my first ever podcast. So, so I hope it was good. And I really appreciate you guys having me on. Of course. You were amazing. Right. We love an expert, especially a skin expert. I could, I might have to like grill you all. I could grill you for 24 hours about this. So we definitely might have to do a follow up. <laughs> Thank you so much. Till death do us part. Batches.